there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Jelani Blackman. I, I feel complex as a person, so I find it hard to not be complex in the music that I make. And uh, and I've never been very good at, at separating or becoming yeah more one-dimensional or even two-dimensional to, to make that run. Hey there, it's me, Sophia. Welcome back to the podcast. Where to begin this week? It's been... Okay, I think things have actually picked up quite a bit for me this week. I got to go to some really, really incredible shows in in the past seven days or so. Starting off with last Thursday, I went to see an incredible artist called Lauren Kramer. I kind of describe him as his upper range being like Perfume Genius and his lower range being like Leonard Cohen. And you know when you see one of those artists that you're just like, you're just ready to go. Like, you know exactly who you are. Your presence is amazing. You know your sound. Like, you're everything. Um, You should be signed right now. And you're, like, if you, like, blow up right now, you're just ready. That's how I felt about Lauren. He was so captivating and mystical and, and sensual and glamorous and mysterious and just all these things. I was so unbelievably impressed by him. Um, And I love when I get to go to a gig like that, where I just feel so deeply moved by an artist and excited about what they mean for the future of music. You know, I've talked before about, you know, having times where I'm in a bit of a rut finding new music. which is a normal part of my job. So these kind of moments to me are just like, this is, this is what keeps me going. This is what makes me want to continue to do my job. So yeah, I, I don't really know what else to add to that. All I'll say is Lauren Kramer, someone that you should 12,000% be keeping your eye on. Other things, um, what else did I do? Yes, over the weekend, uh, one of my previous guests, Vagabond, who was on just two episodes ago, actually, randomly announced that she was playing a backyard show uh, not too far from where I live. And so I jumped on the chance to go. I didn't know anybody there. And it was definitely one of those spaces where the large majority of people already knew each other. But I like to try and be brave sometimes. I'm a sometimes socially awkward extrovert, but I just try and use my extroverted side to force myself into new spaces. And you know what? It was so worth it. First of all, Vagabond is such an incredible live performer. I've been a fan of her music for many years, but I'd never seen her actually perform. So that was such a pleasure. Um, One of her bandmates was performing some of his original music for the first time as well. Another artist that I really love called Gatlin happened to be on on the lineup. Basically, all in all, it was just a really fun night. And also, 
I hadn't been to a backyard gig in almost two years. And wait, actually, is that true? I've been to a backyard jam. Not the same thing. But backyard shows are just so fun and so severely underrated. I think just because they have that much more laid back communal vibe, it's obviously very DIY. You know, it's it doesn't feel like stuffy in any way whatsoever. Um, and I, I'm definitely going to make sure to go to more of these because, I th- again, this is one of those this is why I do what I do sort of things where you get to actually step into your local music community. And as I always say, like community is kind of one of the best parts about being in this space. So another great thing. And then last but not least, um, I've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, but there is an incredible music discovery night here in LA called School Night run by Chris Doritas from KCRW. And I've been trying to go more often just to, again, with all the things I'm doing, just keep my hand on the pulse of of like all the new music coming out, uh, whether that be local or as, as School Night does, they bring artists from around the world. So keeping track of even international up and coming artists that are starting to bubble up, if you will. So this time I saw, I went to go see, first of all, an artist called Delilah Montague, who I used to play on on my old show, Solo Sounds, quite a bit. She did a really stripped back set, so it was quite different from what she normally does, but it was so beautiful and so moving. Um, I know that one of her songs got sampled and reworked by Fred again, which has been incredible for her. It's one of those things where you're like, so excited to see someone talented getting the platform that they deserve and so again it was just great to get to actually see this artist that I've been you know spinning their music for a long time actually seeing them in front of me live and then there was another artist that I discovered on the bill that I really liked uh her name was Elisheva she kind of does like neo soul pop music but lyrically is just super like straight to the point Super, super relatable. I think she was saying some things that were hitting a little bit too close to home because I was with a friend and we we're just kind of hugging each other like we're OK. Right. Right. Like we're we're both individually mentally OK. Right. Um, yeah. But you know what? I, I love that stuff. It's very cathartic despite being deeply triggering. Um, but hey. Anyway, um Last other things I'm going to say before we start talking about this week's episode, as the year wraps up, I am putting out some bonus recap episodes. One came out this past Wednesday, all about my favorite concerts and music memories of 2023. Uh, This coming Wednesday, I'm going to be putting out my top 10 albums of 2023 and talking through those. And then throughout the rest of December, I'm going to be looking forward to 2024 and some of the artists and releases that I am keeping my eye on. So If you want to hear some of my updates on that, there's some really cool people that I'm excited to tell you about. I've been very lucky to have a wonderful year. So between the looking forward and looking back, um, hopefully there's there's something that you'll find interesting in all this. So definitely go and check those out. All right. It is about time that we talk about Jelani Blackman. He is the guest this week on the podcast. 
I've I heard of Jelani. I know it's been a few years, and I used to play him on my old show back in the day on Amazing Radio. But he's just been like, I think just in the last couple years, just like exploding. Like he's worked on stuff with Gorillaz, um, Wolf Alice. He's brought all these incredible collaborators on to his latest record, including, again, Ellie Rousel from Wolf Alice, Big Pig, Koji Radical, who's another uh, London artist that I have long admired. And I also have to appreciate, I've, I've said this a million times, but whenever someone is, you know, so eclectic in their taste, eclectic in their collaborators and willing to sort of bounce ideas off with such different creative people I think it yields the best music and you see that on Jelani's latest record because it pulls from grime it pulls from jazz it pulls from like clubby electronic music it pulls from indie rock and again I think that or not I think I know that that is something that I always encourage all artists to do be curious stretch yourself out and be willing to I don't know, find the value in a lot of, in the ways that all kinds of different people create their music. And so I immediately have such immense respect and admiration for Jelani. And the resulting record is absolutely beautiful. Jelani is also such a wise and profoundly intelligent person. It's one of those people that throughout our whole conversation, I was always so blown away by the sort of nuanced understanding that he has of the world. And I don't know, I, again, I just, I was so fascinated by that because I love getting to get into the nitty gritty of it all. There's a sort of stream of consciousness quality to a lot of Jelani's lyrics where he kind of, I think, gives himself permission in a really, in a very intentional way, I should still say, to cover a lot of topics in one song to weave them together and then to allow various songs to sort of echo back at each other. It, it doesn't feel like just like some random set of thoughts, but I say stream of conscious more in the sense that it is very reflective and it allows itself to kind of hold a lot of themes, but simultaneously everything still feels like it's in its place and everything makes sense. And so all in all, you just get, again, this incredibly nuanced and multi-layered set of songs. I don't really want to spoil the episode and take away from the points that Jelani makes himself. So I think with all of that, I'm just going to leave you to it. This is my interview with Jelani Blackman. There's a particular quote that was in it that like really jumped out at me. I think it was about damage. Um, and it was the idea of wanting to destroy to rebuild, anger and frustration alongside focus, and that being a constant theme throughout the lyrics and the record. And I was wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that a little more because I thought it was a really interesting point to bring up. Yeah, well, I guess it, it comes down to you can't fix a system that's inherently broken. It's, it's, it's flawed. It's a, I think it's a fallacy to, to think that over time things change. I've had a lot of discussions and debates about whether that's true or not, but I think fundamentally, if you have, uh, I guess, a structure that's been put in place to maintain certain ideals, like at its base, at its root, you're always gonna be fighting that. So no matter how much like top level stuff you change, fundamentally, 
it doesn't work. And whether that's like an economic thing, whether it's a, a kind of, I guess, it's not race because race is, is a construct, but like a, a divisive uh, ethic, ethnic or sociological thing where you divide different groups based on like wanting to control and, and manipulate what they do. Uh, the only real way of, I think, fixing that is by changing what the motivations are for a society in the first place, um, which is a tough question. I'm not saying I necessarily have the answer, but what I do know is that where we're at is kind of a, a cyclical a cyclical stage of, of going through different societies, empires, however you want to describe it, for the last hundreds, hundred years, thousand years, where you have people at the top, people at the bottom, because you have people that need to, to, to take charge and control what's going on. And other people that are just there that are basically passengers. Um, I think the only thing that might mean that that can change is that we now have technology that kind of takes away the need for the the, the lower level passenger based input in society, where you have people who have to just function doing certain things to make that society run and exist. That's kind of gonna go in like it's, it's a new industrial revolution to an extent. So as things change, you either create a gap in wealth or you have the option to redesign how society works in general but the, the issue is is that the people that have the, the ability and power to change that are usually the people that are benefiting off benefiting off of it so like so yeah so that's what that that's what that means I know it, it's it, I mean it's a very fair point you know it's funny I was gonna initially leave this song for last but I think I want to talk about it right now and that's new world order because there's this idea of again like like you said it's incredibly difficult to change society from the ground up because like you said it's basically hitting a reset button that we don't seem to be willing or able to hit but there's this sort of hope on that song of like if you say it enough times Maybe it'll come true. And it's also very, I noticed lyrically, it's an intentionally very repetitive song. It's as if we're like, you know, if again, it's like a mantra. If we keep saying it and we keep trying to get there, maybe someday we will. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's hope. I'm not I'm, I'm not uh, against the idea. I, I, it comes across as cynical, but actually the only reason it feels cynical is just because I do actually care so much. But, and it hurts to, uh, to feel like things can't change. So sometimes you remove yourself from it. But... I think, yeah, if you have things like New World Order, where you say over and over again, it, it could happen and lay out the way that it could, then yeah, you never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah. You might appreciate this because I, I read that your your mom uh, is a drama teacher, but there's a very incredible musical I love called Hades Town, And there's a sentiment in it's also very cyclical. And there's this idea in it where... I'm trying to figure out how to explain it, but essentially the it's as if the this kind of tragic story in the musical is being told and the person ultimately fails at the end, but they keep saying, we're going to sing it again because maybe it'll turn out this time. Like if we just keep trying again and maybe mm -hmm. someday we'll we'll get it right. Um, highly well, recommend it. Yeah, so, well, that's the lyric in Damage, which I, had, I did a really nice thing when I was just doing stuff around it and I got everyone to sing that the lyrics so the lyric is hold some of the hope some of the time yeah and I just uh, I asked fans fans to send their videos of uh, of them singing it and it was really nice it was a nice moment actually it was one of my favorite parts of, of this as an experience uh just seeing people sing that sing that back to you was yeah it's beautiful that's 
That's awesome. I think it it almost I could only imagine it makes you feel like maybe there are other people holding on to hope as well because you're literally getting to see their faces saying those words at you. Yeah. 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 And, you know, like you said, like uh, you like you feel like it comes across as cynical, but I feel like throughout this entire record, hope and cynicism really do coexist. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that you ever eliminate one over the other. I think they're always both there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, I guess that's that's the um, what's the word? That's the friction. That's the oh, there's a better word for it. That's the conflict. Is that if I was able to just say, "Fuck it, I don't care," um, then I think it would make my life a lot easier. But I think it's like really, I do believe that there is there is something because we also wouldn't have carried on for this long if there was nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I think that's the point is that there has to be something. Yeah. There's something I remember seeing. It was during like the height of like the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 and it was a sign that still co I constantly think about and it wasn't saying it was saying something along the lines of we're not just fighting for black lives, we're fighting for black joy for you know for just for excellence for everything and it's and I kind of think like that's the thing that is like our jet fuel like when when we're fighting for either the future of a certain group or for our larger future like with the climate or whatever we don't just want to survive we want to what we're Enjoy, trying yeah. To, yeah 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 100 well, otherwise yeah. what's the point why 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 bother? exactly and I feel like for example speaking of like I guess songs sort of in that that like like area like songs like voice and is it and lineup even within the moments that are talking about the way that like people of color are oppressed in the UK there's also these like shimmers of like either joy or celebrating like the beauty of it like in lineup like talking about like someone spending hours like working on your hair for example and just like the the art of that even though like someone's putting you down for it it's kind of also honoring it and I think that's really beautiful yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough, tough track. Uh, it's a tough one. Tough one to listen to and like. Yeah, it it it, it holds something. But um, but yeah, there's. I guess I guess throughout the that's that's just me as a person. I think I said it when it when it came out. Is that I I feel complex as a person, so I find it hard to not be complex in the music that I make. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I've never been very good at at separating or becoming yeah more one-dimensional or even two-dimensional to to make that run no i think that's one of the things i like about the record though like i actually wrote in my notes i feel like no song only holds one theme or only you know sits in like is very black or white like you kind of interweave a lot of the things that you're thinking about throughout each song um mm. do you find that's something that you you've always done and it's like just kind of like natural to you to like always weave a lot of things into one one song uh, yeah i've got i've got better at it I, I i think i really i perfected it a few years ago and like i i, I guess like the reason that hello that the tune i did a couple of years ago was such a a big moment was because that was the first time i'd really like got it that's, that's the first time i'd really like uh found what i wanted to say and how to say it and just refining that and and using it in different context, contexts has been a process over the last couple of years. I guess that this that's what this album really is, thinking about it, is a, is the accumulation of, of working out how to weave stuff in, but still make music that's kind of 
has energy and, and fun. But yeah, that's that that's that's kind of what. Absolutely. Sorry, that's what it is. <laughs> no, it's a it's great. Like it kind of feels like you're getting to explore the different facets of of the different things that you're thinking about. It also means all of the songs kind of get to echo back at each other as well. So it ends up feeling like. Like, I know from reading about you, you're very interested in what makes, like, a cohesive album. And I think, you know, songs that are able to kind of nod and wink back at each other is such a, like, mm. important thing. Well, it's thing. interesting because you can do that in different ways, isn't it? Like, I, yeah. I, I think that, that I've said that, I've said this quite a few times, but it it doesn't really do that sonically a lot. Like, musically, mm -hmm. it does in places, but, like, it's not, that's not the thread. Like, the thread isn't. The music i don't think i think the thread is the is, is the word is the narrative yeah. is, is what i'm saying and um and i always kind of felt like that was going to be the case i think the next the next thing i do might not be this, as as uh musically diverse but I, like it might just be a vibe but i think that yeah but for this i just wanted to say some stuff and the music is kind of more of a backdrop to it yeah well, I kind of like that it can have both. Like, I, I love something that's sonically diverse, but that you can kind of create these ties in other places. That's, I think that's, a, again, a, a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing, speaking of this idea of, like, bringing themes together, I love how on the opening track, Feel the Same, it kind of ends up bringing a lot of the themes of the record in together because, you know, there's a lot of songs about, like, the state of the world, but there's also songs about, like, falling in and out of love and I like the feel the same kind of meshes the two together it almost parallels like a relationship that's falling apart to missing the way the world used to be yeah 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 it, uh it, it, it I don't know if it was intentional <laughs> but it definitely became the thing that I meant because I, I I think I didn't want it to just be a, a it, it it didn't feel like it was just like a kind of I don't know, social commentary based song. It felt like it had another level of, of personal emotion attached to it with, with that hook. So I, I think that that's, uh, yeah, it, it was accidentally, sometimes they're the best ones when you're like, oh, actually, I didn't really realize I was chatting about that as well. You're so right, though. I think I, I've said this many a time on this podcast where I say, even though I think this record as a whole is very intentional, sometimes I feel like people accidentally make concept albums just because like there was stuff that was sitting in their subconscious and the way that it all came out. There's mm -hmm. just like an overarching theme that even if it wasn't on purpose is there, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah for sure. And so I think like, and that can happen within a song too. It's not always like a record as a whole. Um, it can, it can fluctuate, but yeah, that's such a cool thing. Like when you can look back and be like, oh, this is what I was thinking about. Yeah, you know? I actually haven't had, uh, I guess because I'm, I'm in it still and I'm trying to pace myself with how much I listen, but I haven't had like a full, like listen through digest kind of, okay, like this is, this is it. I've had one, but it was before it came out. But yeah, I haven't had that yet. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how that would play out for you now that you've also started to hear like how other people are, you know, absorbing the record too and like listening to it with all this like new context as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like that'll be a super interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be. Well, I mean, when when I when I I've just announced the tour, so yeah. when I do it live, I think that will be um Oh my god. Yeah. yeah That's going to Yeah, it's going to add a whole other layer like seeing how again people react to it live and how they how and when they connect to certain things you know mm -hmm. that's gonna be so yeah. sick yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. 
yeah. it's, it's, it's the thing I, I I love the most. Of course. Well, this is this is kind of unrelated, but this is more of a like something I felt like I picked up on one song, and I'm curious about your take on it, which is. It, it shows up on a few songs, but I think My Bad is the one that I noticed it the most. And there's, I got a sense it was a lot of, like, comparing dreams versus reality, especially, like, making your way through, like, the music industry. And also, okay. like, trying to figure out if certain people are genuine or not genuine and trying to figure out who's, like, really in your corner. Um, and I'm curious to know if that is correct, if it's totally incorrect, um, if it's a mix, or I'm, I'm just um... intrigued. Yeah, no, why is it, it's, it's an intriguing observation. Um, I think the, the dreams versus reality thing is interesting. I think let not just music, but I think just in general, I think that that's uh, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think I just meant it about music. I think I just meant it in terms of like what things appear to be in comparison to what they are. I don't really have anybody because I, I I keep I think I say it in that verse actually like I I don't. I know some people do, but I actually don't really have anyone around me that I'm suspicious of. Like, I, I don't really, yeah, I don't have that vibe, especially well, no friends or anything like that. But like, even in terms of like working relationships, it's, I'm never, I'm never um, surprised by what people are, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's uh, it's not like people suddenly, I'm like, oh shit, I thought that person was, was, was cool or whatever. Generally, I, I'm just, <laughs> As default, I'm generally distrustful, and then if someone changes my opinion, then that's fine. But like, I'm never surprised. I'm never surprised if someone is like that. So, so that's uh, so yeah. I wouldn't say in music, but in in general, yeah, the, the dreams versus reality is life. I mean, we're kind of entering a stage where the the, the dis distinction between the two is becoming slimmer and slimmer. Like, there's a very small difference between what you might consider a dream and what you, the reality could be in terms of how we speak about the world at the moment, the, the reality, the, opp the opportunities and the things that can exist. Like all of those things are changing so rapidly that you could have a dream tomorrow or tonight even that, uh, that becomes a real thing in the world in a week's time because we're at that kind of stage of flux where things are, it's like exponential change. And it's, it is all like technology, it is technology based, but I think more than technology, it's uh, it's it's politics and the way that I don't know. There's there's an undercurrent of of feeling unsettled, where there are things which are suddenly like which are happening suddenly uh, that it didn't seem it didn't feel it didn't always feel like that was the case and and a lack of like I guess hands on the wheel, where it I think before there was like a an overarching trust in the system. Whereas now it doesn't seem to exist in the same way. Oh, my God, no. It kind of feels like there's this this constant back and forth of like, you know, I guess the upside is that like, like the later millennials and Gen Z are very like engaged and are like really trying to, you know, push for better, which I think is such a powerful thing. But then simultaneously, we have in in both the country you live in and the country that I live in, politicians mm. Yeah. doing things that are yeah. not good um <laughs> and so so there's like no. this kind of like constant back and forth of like you know ev like you said like it feels like we don't have our hands on the wheel but we're all trying to like grab at the wheel and like some yeah. of us are trying but to I feel like the wheel's a different thing than to what used to be I, when, when i say the system i don't mean like uh, like belief in a certain direction because i think that that can always change and there's always like 
uh, resistance against authority and and the push and pull of of all of those things. I think the um, yeah, I think more what I, what I mean more is the actual structure that gives those things platforms. So like if you had uh, if you had two different if you had two opposing opinions, um, which you which always at least two opposing opinions that exist in a society. Um, you had the structure to make those things coexist. Whereas I feel like the structure to make those things coexist is is disappearing. And and the and the and the trust in that structure to to hold those things is disappearing. I don't think that that, that that's what I mean by that. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And I think is that kind of like some of the sentiment that's on like feel the same? It's kind of like longing for when there was a little more of that balance there. Yeah. But it's also like it's it's a bit it's it's it's, a, it's that nostalgia for stuff that never really existed. Do you know what I mean? True. It's a, you know, I was like, oh right, when was it ever? When was it ever really good? Very I think true. it was better. That there have been times that it was better, but when was it ever really like good? There's there's this it's, it's the rosy it's the rose tinted thing. You know? Yeah, and then I think I mean I I don't know how how old you are, but I think also you know for a lot of us thinking back to certain times, it means thinking back to our childhood when we weren't necessarily exposed to all of these things. Yeah. So of yeah, course yeah. it's going to be a lot rosier for us. Yeah. There was one good period of time, I think, but then again, like it was different for different people, but I think it was like right in the middle of when, um, I think everybody felt like they'd solved racism and it was post like, uh, the, the capitalist, uh, rush in the eighties, which was, which was like, I mean, for us, it was Thatcher. Um, it was it Reagan? Was it Reagan? In, in, yeah, in Reagan. But it was just like uh, pure. All right, money, money, money. Let's make it bankers. Lots of cocaine. Rah rah rah. Like, yeah. and that was and that was the vibe. And yeah. then like everybody was exhausted. And then the nineties came along, and I feel like it was a it was a way better vibe. And but and this is this isn't me being rose tinted because like that's my era. I think it's like because I was I was a baby, but. I think the um, I think the way that that period of time worked but before then, then till like, I guess that the I don't I don't really know how to how to phrase it other than like uh, the Iraq situation uh, and and the war. I think in between that in between like yeah, early nineties and then there was a period of time when everything was kind of chilled. Like the, yeah. the worst thing that people were scared of was like, the, was like uh, what's it called? The millennium fuck. Everyone was just scared all the clocks were going to reset in the, like, uh, in the noise. I think that, that was- Y2K, the, yeah. Y2K, yeah, that was that was the biggest fear. But everything was, everything seemed, I mean, there was there was still stuff going on. And, and obviously the, it's it's never been the case that there was, there's never been, um, it's never been the case that racism didn't exist. But the uh, the attitude towards it was probably the most op- open that it's ever been. Like, I don't know yeah. if you if you ever watched ninety films, but some of the, sh- the shit they get away with is wild. Like, it's it's crazy, but it's because it's almost it's not a thing. Like to the extent that like I don't know, people just aren't really noticed. Like, they, it was like all it was, was when all of those um. And if I was a white guy, you did this. And if I was a black guy, I would do that. And like all of those kind of jokes in stand up and stuff like that. And like, I don't know. It and now you'd obviously get cancelled for it immediately, but it but at at the time it was 
it was almost as if everyone was just like, you know what? These things exist. Everything's okay. Let's just have some fun with it and get on with it. And it wasn't, and the the the, uh, the thing they always say about like comedy and, and whether something can be funny or not is whether it's top, whether it's top down, like if you're shooting down. Yeah. So like, um, so yeah, if you're making fun of someone else, generally that's not cool. But if everyone's making fun of each other, then it doesn't feel as, as, as yeah, that, that dynamic doesn't exist in the same way. But it, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like that anymore. Totally. No, I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's everyone's, everyone's in equal butt of the joke. It's not coming from, yeah, a place of punching down. And so, yeah, I don't know why this made me think of this, but when I was a kid growing up and this was probably from, actually, no, it was because it came out either the year I was born or the year after, but, um, the version of Cinderella where Brandy was playing Cinderella and like Whitney Houston was the, um, the fairy godmother, which is yeah. iconic. Um, that was yeah. my shit growing up. And it's like, that's like stuff we're doing in Hamilton now. Like the sort yeah. of like very diverse casting, but it didn't feel like it was like, oh, this is a political move. It was just yeah, kind of like- Yeah, do you know like, what I mean? It wasn't labored. It was just like everyone was doing every, everything. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And then like, like Jason like Alexander from Seinfeld was also there for some reason. Like- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It was a it was a crazy time, but um, but yeah, but but things have changed a lot, obviously. But mm-hmm. but that, in that song where it's like it's all the same, it's like looking back at times and being like, well, was it better or was it just different or was it just because I enjoyed it or what? What, what was? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, and yeah, I don't think any of us will ever necessarily have the answer. Um, but that's that's okay. I mean, it has to be okay. We don't really have much of a choice. Um, (laughs) but I think on that note, I kind of want to talk about, like, there's a few songs on this record that deal more with like falling in and out of love with someone. But one thing I like, first of all, is like I said before, everything kind of intermingles on this record in that, like, for example, I love that, like on the story in Arrival, for example, Mm -hmm. it's, it's about falling for someone, but part of like falling for someone in that case is sharing a worldview and like being so like you know, inspired by or drawn to how that person sees the world and the kind of beautiful mind that they have. And I thought that that was a really beautiful and powerful thing. Yeah, that's well, I mean, that was that was inspired by real life, I guess, um, because that's what actual love is, as opposed to like just the feeling of being infatuated or, or um, attracted to someone. It's like when you fall in love with someone's brain <laughs> who, like who they are when you, when you fall in love with that that's um that's it it's it's funny the, the the person in that song that i described is like an amalgamation of of what i feel like that would be as a perfect situation but actually what's funny about that is the reality of meeting that person would probably be that it wasn't that because that is the one thing that i i do know about love is that the or at least fall for someone is that the things that you you think that you would want are not always the things that you actually need. Oh my yeah. god! I had a whole conversation with a friend of mine about this last night. Like everything about like you know telling the difference between love and lust because especially in our society we kind of conflate one as the other and we're taught to from a very young age like every movie ever ever every love song ever is this sort of like 
fevered, intense thing. And mm -hmm. we're supposed to interpret that as love. So then when we're presented with what's actually healthy, half the time we don't recognize it because we're not taught to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're not. We're not. It's, it's, but it's like, I don't know why. I guess like all, all of society is just stories, you know, but I don't know. I don't know why we tell, we, we consistently tell that one. Like whether it's a, uh, whether it's what's needed or whether it's just lack of lack of imagination and, and consistency of, of, of repeating ourselves. But yeah. But yeah. And I mean, I think, I think there's a nugget of it that that's true. I think we maybe like overblow it, but like, for example, you know, there's like, I saw like faded on this record, like kind of touches on, I guess the more beautiful side of, of that sort of feeling of just like enjoying being in the presence of someone that you're, you're attracted to or you're drawn to. And also I have to mention, I love that you had um, Ellie Rousel working on that song because I think that she wrote one of the best songs about infatuation to come out in the last few years, which is Don't Delete the Kisses. Um, oh, yeah. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard my remix of that? No. Oh, my God. I need to listen to that, like, now because yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that song. Yeah, it's true. But I just thought it was really cool that she was working on this song because I know – Again, I know that kind of side of her work, and I feel like that's such a good match for for kind of telling this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's funny. I sent her a couple of things because we like we've known each other for a long time, and um, yeah, and I'd like I think at some point we will will work on like something, like new, but it's just a timing thing. But I was trying to get in the studio with her, but she she was away, and I was like, oh, well, I just definitely want to like try and do something. So I sent her. I sent her where the, the tracks were at, and um, and then one of the things she was like, "That's this cool, but I, like I really like this one. I, I feel like I could do something with this," and she did. And I was, I was like, "Oh shit!" And she like, oh. and, and then she, she didn't want to send it. <laughs> she didn't want to send it because she was like, I, "I don't know. I think it, it might be rubbish." I was like, "No, just send it. Like I want to hear, I want to hear what the vibe is." And I was like, "Oh shit! You actually like you smashed it. You you've made it the song that I feel like it should have been." Yeah, I get the sense she needs to trust herself better because she said something very similar to that in the Song Exploder episode where she wasn't, like, sure if the song was working and it ended up being, like, this absolute yeah. banger. It's so funny. It's a very, like, I think two sides of the coin way of creating music or, or being an artist. Like, obviously, I know a lot of uh, of people that make music and I feel like they all either fall into one category or the other, whereas, like, where they're they're very uns not very unsure, but like they're cautious of of the things that they make, and the other side of people that are just like confident to a fault, where they're like, "This is everything I make is the best thing ever," and like I, it's 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 really interesting seeing how people work, I guess, because everyone is different, and and everyone obviously is not like completely polarized. Everyone has a touch of both, where you're like, mm, "I'm not sure if this is very good." But I do find in general the people that are like, I'm not sure if this is very good and are, are less confident make better songs in general. Over, over, like they, over, over, overall. People that are like, every, like, like everything that they make, make less good stuff. I, I see that. I think there's, yeah, there's a humility and a humanity to that. Um, the very last thing that I, I want to talk about, I think, is the song Clear because... I initially kind of put it in the love song category, but I think it kind of is a little bit more broad than that. But 
there's just something so beautiful about that song to me, this idea of like wanting to see everyone succeed together and this sort of sense of community and camaraderie and like, I've got you. Um, I don't know. I just, I like, like, you know, we talked earlier on about like kind of the role of hope on this record and where, where it kind of fits. I think that in a way to me, that is maybe the most hopeful song on this record, or it's the one that's letting hope kind of, be the most take the, take the, take the front seat. Yeah, yeah yeah take the driver's seat yeah yeah no, for sure I, I agree it, uh, it is the most hopeful it's the one that um i think speaks to, to that emotion and the feeling of it musically also like is is that it's um they kind of they both coexisted they, they both came into existence at the same time as in like it it didn't feel like it could be anything other than that as it was being written um so yeah but um but it is, it's, 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 a, it's a great sentiment. It's a, it's a sentiment that I do genuinely believe. And like the the best version of things is when you're always, when everyone around you is happy. That's the, that's the best version of, of it. And, and that's what you kind of wanna, wanna work towards. It's also something which I guess maybe I, I take for granted that I feel like this, but other people take for granted that it, that isn't how it works. Is that like, actually when you come from a certain background or a certain place, the idea that everyone is going to succeed is not a given. So it means more. It means something to, to be like, oh, we, we actually we actually all might make it together. And how amazing would that be? As opposed to what the reality is, which is actually some people are going to get left behind. And uh, and not everyone, you know, is going to succeed. And that, uh, yeah, I, I guess I take it for granted. Just thinking about it now, I take it for granted that that is something which is, like, obviously personal to me and personal to the people that I know. But, like, maybe there are a lot of people that don't have that same feeling where they don't, where they expect everyone around them to make it. And it might still be great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's, it's always great being successful with your friends, but there's never expect, there's never an expectation that you wouldn't be. Um, and I think that maybe that's the difference. That's what makes it different for, for, um, for me is that it, that was not always a given. So if it happens, then it's amazing. The heart of it is available now, wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford.